Welcome to Michael Stone's podcast, Awaken the World. This podcast is part of an online community library we're developing, one that contains podcasts, videos, transcripts and booklets based on Michael's talks. The goal of this library and this podcast is to bring mindfulness and mental health into the spotlight. Through this work, we're creating new ways to wake up through socially engaged, conscious, spiritual practice. We're creating a culture of compassion and collaboration. We've left our physical monasteries and we're bringing them online. Before we get to today's podcast, I want to take a moment to ask you to consider becoming a patron of this podcast through Patreon. Pledging is easy and can be as little as $1 per month. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Michaelstone and click on the big orange button on the top right of the page. Thank you for listening. So, good evening. <clears throat> There are a couple new faces, so uh, welcome. Uh, we've been studying for the past uh, little while a text by a teacher named Dogen, which was written in the 13th century, uh, just outside Kyoto in Japan. And that text has been the basis of uh, all the talks I've been giving over the last almost two months. And, uh, and then also last week, uh, Grant, gave a talk on Dogen. So thank you, Grant. I read the talk, and it inspired me to give a talk tonight. <laughs> thank you, Christiane, for teaching also last week. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, it's so nice for me to be able to step away from center of gravity, and the thing doesn't fall apart. So, um, I was in Vancouver teaching uh, a wonderful workshop. We had uh, well over 100 people signed up and just so much energy. It was so wonderful. And then after, I, I rested for five whole days. I lay in bed. <laughs> I ate. Lay in bed. <laughs> didn't read a thing. Uh, barely checked emails. So good. Does anyone have this experience where they they rest because they feel like they need to rest, and then they realize like how much they need to rest? Yeah. So I have this crazy life where I teach people about relaxing, and <laughs> and then uh, and then sometimes like I don't realize how uh, like how much I need to rest. So, um, so then I was really rested. So then, and then on the Friday. Um, I went to Portland, and I taught there, and I actually just came home this morning. So I've been resting on the airplane. I didn't even have time to print out the talk, so, um, so I'm, I'm going to read it off my screen. Um, and getting to Portland was so amazing. Uh, I don't know how many of you have been to Portland at this time of year, but they're well ahead of us. So it's spring now in, in Portland, and... Um, so the first thing that, that I did uh, was I went straight from the airport uh, to the Japanese gardens, which are on this gorgeous hill overlooking the city. And so I thought I needed to go to the gardens to see the plum blossoms. But uh, as soon as we crossed the river and went into downtown Portland, 
there were blossoms everywhere. It was like the whole city was just uh, a garden. It was so beautiful. And uh, um, as some of you know, in a few weeks I'm going to be uh, in Kyoto, in, in Japan, and right at the time of cherry blossoms. So it just felt like this little taste of, of the, the blossoms. And um, I was so overwhelmed with the blossoms all. Maybe it's just because I was so well-rested. Or, <laughs> or I, I'm just a romantic and I read too many poets. Um, but it was so, so nice to, to uh, feel all those blossoms. And not, not just blossoms, but uh, magnolias were just about to start. Do you remember magnolias? <laughs> yeah, from like, was it a year ago? Um, and also, uh, mountains and rivers. So, uh, you know, I've been studying this, t- I love this text that we're studying, and, and so I've been studying it in great detail. But, you know, mostly mountains for me, studying this text, have been above my shoulders. And rivers have been above my shoulders. Uh, because I haven't been in the mountains in a long time. So uh, I forget how good that is. So uh, I went into the mountains in, in, in B.C. and also saw the mountains in, in Oregon, went for a drive to an uh, uh, amazing waterfall. Yeah. Um, and, you know... You get this feeling sometimes, especially, you know, us urban people, where you read texts about mountains and rivers, and then you get there and it's like, you know, (laughs) of course they're walking, (laughs) you know. Of course a stone woman gives birth to a child at night, as Dogen says. Um, So, yes, I've really forgotten about mountains, and it was nice to remember. Um, So... I'm not sure, I haven't checked previous notes, but I'm not sure, I think this is the eighth talk, seventh or eighth, seventh talk um, in this series, and uh, what I'd like to do is I'd like to finish it within two weeks from now, so I kind of want to plunge ahead a little bit, if that's okay, Um, and then, so maybe that'll be half our evening, and then um, uh, maybe we can do a little uh, partner uh, exercise together, if that's okay. No introverts running away yet. Okay. Um, so I'm not going to sum up too much, except to say that this next section of Dogen, where he starts focusing more on water than on mountains, is really about going deeper into uh, a line from early Buddhism, from the Buddha himself from the Pali Canon, which actually Dogen then quotes in, the, in this text, that all conditioned things break down. And for those of you that know this passage, all conditioned things break down, this is actually the Buddha's last words uh, when he's dying. This is something he tells Ananda while he's dying. That all conditioned things, which is everything, uh, break down. What Dogen doesn't quote is there's one more line after that, which is then turns to Ananda and says, tread the path with care. So beautiful. So, you know, who knows what the Buddha was talking about? His body? His relationship with Ananda? Uh, Mountains? So in other words, everything is a samskara. Everything arises, 
uh, in conditions, and those conditions break down. Um, I think, as we'll see later, that there's some other piece in that line that's really easy to miss, which is that condition things break down. Um, but it's not the things themselves that necessarily break down. It's the conditions that break down. And so Dogen's going to play with this a little bit um, in the same way that he talks about water and plays with that too. Oh, I wanted to say one other thing. It's the Pacific Ocean from an airplane. Has anybody seen the Pacific Ocean from an airplane? It's so beautiful. It's just, it goes on forever. You know? and, I, and I was thinking... You know, when Dogen traveled from Japan to China, when he was in his uh, late 20s, he traveled by boat, which was a pretty dangerous trip. And now we can just fly over the ocean and it's blue. And But but I would think that water probably was so um, huge for Dogen, because he spent a lot of time on it. And even last year when we studied his text, uh, Instructions to the Cook, uh, the most important pieces happen when he's on a ship. Uh, talking to a cook from a monastery. There's something about water in Dogen's teaching, which I would compare maybe to how the Buddha is always talking about trees, teaching under trees, tells meditators to sit under trees, and nobody listens. How many of you are doing your sitting practice under a tree? Is the first thing the Buddha says about sitting, go under a tree and cross your legs and sit down. But now we do indoor practice, and it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. So, I don't know, maybe this week, let's be fundamentalists and let's read the Buddha's teaching very closely and go sit cross-legged under a tree. Just pretend it's monsoon season. Well, you don't have to pretend, actually. (laughs) It's monsoon season. And, uh, of course, you know, flying over the Pacific Ocean, especially taking off in Vancouver, it's so sparkly, you know, when the sun's out. And, and I was thinking about this line from Dogen where he says, you know, people don't see that water are jewels. Water are just jewels. And then when people see jewels, they don't see that those jewels are also water. And actually, when you get the right angle with the sun on the ocean, it just looks like jewels going on forever. It's, it's so beautiful. And this must be what, what birds see. When birds see the water, they probably don't see water. And Dogen says this, right? He says, human beings see water. And, and, and that line didn't really stand out for me until I was in the plane. That Dogen said, you know, when, when beings, when non-human beings see water, they don't see water. They see jewels. And when human beings see water, they see water. Because for us, it's water. But for a bird, the ocean's not water. It's just the life that they're, that they're in. For human beings, it's water. It's this nice little turn of phrase for, for, for Dogen. And, and I think this is a good way to read Dogen, is just as soon as you get a line that you like, just stop there and spend about two years there. <laughs> so just take the line and just spend a couple years there with that line. And, and just t- take it in. And we're going to do that tonight as a little exercise. Just take in the line and just uh, just let it sit there. Um, once you have a good meditation practice, and good I mean good enough, that you're getting to the cushion and you can just find some calmness, then in that calmness, 
just drop that line in and see what happens. You know, and, and let it work on you. Human beings see water as water. Or maybe there's another line you, you might like. Blue mountains are walking. And just drop it in, see what happens. You don't have to figure anything out. Actually, just that practice of dropping something in your attention span without figuring it out, that's a good practice. So I'm going to read, and uh, maybe you can follow along. If you don't have a copy of the text with you, please share it. Uh, share with someone. Don't, don't be shy about leaning right over their shoulder. And if you have a copy but you've memorized it, then just... Uh, you know. All beings do not see mountains and waters in the same way. Oh, this is where I left off last time. Um, can I, can I? There's no page numbers on this. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Is that 158? Yeah. Okay. Um, some beings see water as a jeweled ornament, but they do not regard jeweled ornaments as water. What in the human realm corresponds to their water? We only see their jeweled ornaments as water. Some beings see water as wondrous blossoms, but they don't use blossoms as water. Hungry ghosts see water as raging fire or pus or blood. We covered this, right? Dragons see water as a palace or a pav- I love that line. Dragons see water as a palace or a pavilion. As if, like, didn't you know? (laughs) Some beings see water as the seven treasures or a wish-granting jewel. Some beings see water as a forest or a wall. Some see it as the Dharma nature of pure liberation, the true human body, or as the form of body and essence of mind. Human beings see water as water. Water is seen as dead or alive depending on causes and conditions. This just means, like... Everything subjective. Thus, the views of all beings are not the same. You should question this matter now. See, there's a good line you could put in your meditation practice. Question this matter now. Are there many ways to see one thing? Or is it a mistake to see many forms as one thing? You should pursue this beyond the limit of pursuit. I love that line. But I would put that on the front of our website. You should pursue this beyond the limit of pursuit. Isn't that amazing? That's so good. Accordingly, endeavor and practice realization of the way are not limited to one or two kinds. The ultimate realm has 1,000 kinds and 10,000 ways. When we think about the meaning of this, it seems there is water for various beings. But there's no original water. There's no water common to all types of beings. But water for these various kinds of beings does not depend on mind or body, does not arise from action, does not depend on self or other. Water's freedom depends only on water. Therefore, water is not just earth. So now he's getting into like medieval Japanese physics. Water is not just earth, water, fire, wind, space, or consciousness. And now he's getting into Taoism. Water is not blue, yellow, red, white, or black. Water is not form, sound, smell, taste, touch, or mind object. Hard sutra. 
But water is earth, water, fire, wind, and space realizes itself. So what he's saying here is that water has its own integrity. It's like it has its own liturgy. Uh, like you. Um, each event in time is interconnected, but it also has a truth to it. And so what Dogen is doing is he's playing now with this idea of impermanence and interdependence, that everything is interconnected, and yet, because it's interconnected, it teaches us emptiness. Because it's interconnected, it doesn't exist as a thing. We've talked endlessly in this room about this. But Dogen's flipping this a little, and he's saying, yes, everything's interconnected, but in that interconnection, a thing actually has its own integrity. So you can't say exactly what a river is, and yet a river has its own character that makes it not quite the same as another river. A, a heron may choose one river over another because that river has its own integrity. Yeah. Isn't that like Patanjali saying, abide in your own awareness? Like yeah. That we abide in our own In your own self-form. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. The That's the Dogen reading yeah. of the Yoga Sutra. So this is a beautiful, a beautiful thing, you know. So yes, we're interconnected, and also yes, we're not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, you're like this, and I'm like this. Um, but if you go deeper, I, I think what you can read in what Dogen is saying, because he's talking about your life here, he's saying that we all want something. We we are all, you know, this term you hear a lot: spiritual seeker. You know, I never like that. I think actually you don't really become a student until you're not a seeker anymore. When you're a seeker, you're probably not a student yet. A, a seeker has to stop at some point uh, to, to really kind of like feel just the immensity of questioning without trying to, to, to f- figure out what to do with it next, you know. So um, we all want to belong and we all, we all want something to, to kind of uh, ground us and, and warm us up. And yet we never quite find it exactly. Has anybody noticed this? You know, you finally want, you know, I want Sangha in Toronto. You know, and you, and you, and you, you create Sangha in Toronto. Has anyone done this? <laughs> and, and, and it just warms us up so much. It makes Toronto worth it. And yet, um, still something's missing. We don't have the right, you know, building. It's not the right temple. It's not, you know, always something's wrong. Um, But even when you can't find that inner groundedness that you think things will give you, you still can have an inner integrity. So this is, I think, what Dogen seems to be going after here. That, that yes, you actually can't find what water really is at the bottom, and yet it has its own integrity. You, you're so interconnected with water. You're so interconnected with your caregivers. You're so interconnected with your children and your neighborhood and the home that you live in. All those things are you because you're relational. And 
Inside of that, you can't find the actual thing that's you. Core teaching of the Buddha, right? But then Dogen's coming in and saying, yes, that's true. And yet, you also have a real integrity. And you have to find that. And in the Shobo Genzo, Dogen says, and you have to realize that. You have to realize the fundamental point. Isn't that nice? You have to realize the fundamental point. So that so what does it mean to realize the fundamental point? There's a great story where Ed Brown asks Shinra Suzuki, uh, what's the most important thing? And Shinra Suzuki says, the most important thing is to find out what's the most important thing. <laughs> Dogen says it about spring, where he says, in the spring, uh, don't paint cherry blossoms. If you want to paint spring, don't paint cherry blossoms. Paint spring. We worked on this in Portland. Friday night I give a talk on this poem of Dogen's. If you want to paint spring, don't, don't paint cherry blossoms. That's the worst, right? Is you say to someone, you know, let, let's paint something in spring, and they use a metaphor to do it. Oh, and then you see blossoms, it's like, oh, that's a metaphor for spring. Dogen's saying if you want to really paint spring, don't paint cherry blossoms, paint spring. And this is this challenge to you, like, how do you paint your integrity? Like, like Jack was just saying. How do you realize the fundamental integrity of your life? Not somebody else's life. Not Dogen's life. Um, then Dogen says, to say, and you can follow along, to say that the world is resting on the wheel of space or on the wheel of wind is not the truth of the self or the truth of others. Such statements, such a statement is based only on a small view. People speak this way because they think that it must be impossible to exist without having a place on which to rest. There's another one you can meditate on. Shall I repeat that a little? People, oh, such a statement is based only on a small view. Okay, this, this passage here, you could say this to yourself every 20 minutes during your day. Every time you kind of think you know something, you can say, such a statement is based only on a small view. People speak, or you just spoke this way because you think it must be impossible to exist without having a place on which to rest. Because you think it's impossible to exist without having a place on which to rest. What are you resting on? The view. Knowing. Um... So Dogen's saying here that like resting in this place where you don't believe, so you know, he goes through metaphysics of the time, right? The world is resting on a wheel of space. This is all Indian mythology, Chinese mythology. The world rests on a wheel of space or on a wheel of wind. He's saying that that's not the truth. That's just relying on a, on a, on a set of stories to give you, yourself a consolatory worldview. But, so what he's saying is that like when you look at the interdependence of things and the bottom falls out, like the old woman going to the well, remember, with the bamboo bucket and the bottom falls out. And she loses not just the water, but the moon. Mm -hmm. 
Um, Dogen's saying it's not just when the bottom falls out that there's nihilism, because nihilism is just being freaked out by the fact that the bottom's fallen out. But he's saying, but underneath that, it's love. It's that inner integrity that you find when the bottom falls out. And, and, and I think most of us don't do this enough. We don't let the bottom fall out. So I had this idea of like a community practice we could do, where one day we come here, so Tuesday night we'll do the asana class, then we'll have a break, we'll sit just like we sat, and then everyone will have come with their best pillows <laughs> and their favorite food. Okay, um, And then we'll just eat together, and then we'll have a nap, you know? <laughs> And then uh, maybe we'll bring some board games. <laughs> and then we won't leave until uh, other people look at us and see that we're really well rested. <laughs> and the bottom's fallen out. Yeah? So we'll stay in here until someone says to you, the bottom's fallen out. <laughs> and you don't experience that as terrifying. Um, so to sum up this section Dogen saying uh, everything's joined we could number it one everything's joined two everything has its own integrity and I would add and those two things are exactly the same and water is like this and inhaling and exhaling is like this and your life is like this When it rises to the sky, it becomes single raindrops. So he's talking about water. Means that water rises to the heavens and skies everywhere and forms raindrops. <laughs> he's kind of making fun of you, if you haven't noticed yet. Raindrops vary according to the different worlds. To say there are places water does not reach is the teaching of the listener of the small vehicle or the mistaken teaching of people outside the way. Water exists inside fire and inside your mind. Water exists in thought and ideas. Isn't that nice? Water also exists within the wisdom of realizing your Buddha nature. When it falls to the ground, it becomes river, means when water reaches the ground, it turns into rivers. The essence of rivers becomes wise people. Now, ordinary fools and mediocre people those are people who like come some weeks and don't come other weeks. <laughs> Think that water is always in the rivers or oceans, but this is not so. Rivers and oceans exist in water. Accordingly, even where there is a, not a river or an ocean, there's water. It's just that when it, water falls down to the ground, it manifests the characteristics of rivers and oceans. Also, don't think that where water forms rivers or oceans, there is no world and there is no Buddha land. Do you hear the Lotus Sutra in this? Mm -hmm. Even in a drop of water, innumerable Buddha lands or a Buddha land, wait, even in a drop of water, innumerable Buddha lands appear. Therefore, it's not a question of whether there is only water in the Buddha land or Buddha land in the water. 
Do you hear what he's referring to? Remember the koan? When you hear the water in the pipe? Is it the sound of the water or the sound of the pipe? See? It's exactly the same thing Dogen's doing here. The existence of water is not concerned with past, future, present, or the phenomenal world, yet water is actualization of the fundamental point. So he's saying the same thing he said earlier about mountains and the same thing about your life, that you are not here to do some kind of practice to get enlightened. You're here because you're enlightened. And your practice is just expressing it. It's creating a container for you to express your life for real, not for somebody else, but to express that inner integrity that you find through practice. So he's saying water is that. Water is always the actualization of all the teachings. Water is doing that. How, what does that correspond to in your life, in the human realm? Where Buddha ancestors reach, water never fails to appear. Because of this, Buddha ancestors always take up water and make it their body and mind and make it their thought. How do you make water your thought? How do you do that? How do you make water your thought? I think Dogen would love the fact that you could take a drop of water and so back in his day you would look at a drop of water and you would see more in the convex mirror of that shape than your eye could see actually looking at something. We all did this as kids, right? I mean, when was the last time you just looked in a, in a drop of water? But nowadays, you could put... I would love to take Dogen to a lab and let him see a drop of water in a microscope. And the more high-powered the microscope, the more worlds there are. And I don't know if you ever did this in school, where you looked at a drop of water under a microscope. Did anybody do this? And you actually see different animals in there, uh, a lot of them fighting with each other. You know? And there's just worlds and worlds in a drop of water. It's amazing. I wonder how Dogen would have written. Maybe exactly the same. Um, so, uh, I have a little exercise I thought we could do together. Is, is it, are you guys open to doing an exercise uh, together? So here's what I'd like you to do. So I, I you know, half the room here have, you know, we've done interviews together where sometimes I give you a hard time. So I thought, like, forget that. You can just give each other a hard, <laughs> loving hard time. Yeah. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to work as if we're practicing koans together. And how it's going to work is you're going to face, you're going to sit with your partner face to face, and you're going to say, uh, "Free associate to water." Mm -hmm. So then they're going to free associate to water. You can't get it wrong. You can't get it right either. You know, free associate to water. So swimming, fishing, urinating, you know, uh, almost drowning once, like all the. All the memories you have, uh, just free associate. Just whatever comes to your mind about water. 
But try not to be like uh, clever or metaphorical, like, well, water represents. Uh, just, just, just with your whole being, just free associate to water. Just free associate to water. And do this for a few minutes, um, and then I'll ring the bell. Um, and, I, and I'd like you to really look at your partner in the eye, and just with your body, just free associate. Then, afterwards, your partner's going to say, thank you. Thank, thank you for sharing uh, uh, that. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for, for giving me those images. Thank you. Now, what's water really? <laughs> and then just see what happens when they say that. Just see what pops up. Do you get the exercise? So sitting face to face, and you're just going to free associate to water. Then I'm going to let you go for three or four minutes. Then I'm going to ring the bell, and then your partner's going to say to you, thank you, thank thank you for sharing, thank you for saying what you've just said. It's really great. It's so interesting. Now, what's water really? And then just see what happens. Okay? And then we'll switch. All right? So let's try it together. So find a partner. Okay, so, um, what, what, what did you notice in this little partner exercise? What, what did you notice? Anything. Even just like, not like what you necessarily, you know, you said, but what did you discover in doing this, this partner exercise? It made you think about your memories, about your experiences, uh-huh. how you experience water. Yeah. Kind of engaged you with some things that you have <coughs> experienced. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that, like Dogen's line, like water is water for humans. Mm-hmm. And then we see all these. Oh, when I like behind when I say water, it's like all of this mm-hmm. memory, as you said. Mm-hmm. I noticed that when I was speaking, sometimes I just. It just flowed, and then it was like I hit something, and it was, so it felt. Now it seems like it felt like water. Yeah. Um, I'll just add something a little to that. When I when I have meetings with my teacher, she keeps a stick that's about this long, <laughs> right between the two of us. So. Uh, if you're speaking and she asks you a question and then you stop and you start like, hmm. Because that's when you go off. It's not immediate. She mm-hmm. picks up the stick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she'll hit you. <laughs> so next week, maybe this is what we'll do with her. <laughs> if someone's just like, they're like, oh, you know, fluidity, you know, mud, whatever. And then it's like, 
You just go, <laughs> and, and then we'll be more like the ancestors. So what happened? When, what did you notice when you, you when it, when it just kind of stopped? I felt disconnected. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt that it was kind of a naked space, like. Uh huh. Yeah. And to watch your mind like grasping, <laughs> trying yeah. to find something else yeah. in that sort of intimate, like someone's looking right at you. Yeah. What if we move through our day communicating like this more with people? Mm-hmm. Someone says something and you're just there mm-hmm. to, to respond. Mm-hmm. Or immediate. Mm-hmm. I, I was telling Grant that I was, I was telling Grant this story that uh, in Kyoroshi, I don't know why I'm telling so many stories about it today. She, she does this practice when she's at restaurants. So she gets handed the menu, and she'll read carefully the whole menu. Huh? See what everything is. And then she'll close the menu, and she won't decide. And then when the waiter comes, as soon as the waiter says, what would you like, whatever pops out of her mouth is what she gets. Yeah, as a practice she does. It's a wonderful practice. Grant was not going for it. (laughs) I won't tell you what I ate. (laughs) He might, though. Somebody else. What was it like? What was this? Maybe someone more from the back. Yes. Uh-huh. I, didn't, I didn't realize, I didn't think that would feel that way, but it's yeah. surprising to me. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Good one. Jeff? I think the word flow really worked for, for the moment. Once we were dissociating. Dissociating? Or associating. <laughs> we were dissociating. Once things, <laughs> once things were flowing, um, we had our eyes closed. Huh. And it, it felt more intimate huh. to me yeah, yeah. in terms of allowing the other person's words and images to come in. Yeah. And um, and not being distracted by yeah. anything. And, um, I think flow hmm. was really key hmm. to, to that. Mm-hmm. Flow of thoughts, flow of images, flow, mm-hmm. flow of whatever. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's flow from the exercise or flow from the concept of water or both. Hmm. Hmm. It was almost like a double double meaning. Yeah, that's nice. It's interesting with this flow because it's like uh, at first it's easy to talk, and then you re you you know some part of you runs out of what it normally says, so then you stumble a little. Then you go into some other dimension. Yeah. And then you stumble a little, and then you keep doing that, and then you start surprising yourself with what happens. You might say, especially if we did this for, if we did this for 20 minutes or something, you'd, you'd surprise you. And that's the integrity Dogen's talking about. Right? Like from that place, 
That, that's all we're teaching here. That's all we're teaching each other in this community. Is how do you move from that place of integrity? So you come to center of gravity and you kind of hang out in the back row for two years. And then you do like a year in the middle. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then what happens, you, you start taking risks. It's like, you know, tonight I'm going to meet somebody. I'm going to talk to somebody different. And then you, you, can, you can use this place as an experiment where then you can try to just uh, speak to someone not in the way you have to speak at work. You know? And it's risky, huh, to do this. And that's Buddha nature. Huh? That's what Dogen's talking about. Practice realization. Practice realization. Somebody else. Uh-huh. Maybe I realize how much I love water. Love water. Yeah. Yeah. Just did you have memories of it? It's just even you know it's still part of my life. My mm. showers, pool, ocean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hot tub. Yeah. You have a pool at Ocean and a hot tub. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> And then, how, you know, like, how do you shift from that place where we love water to what Dogen's saying? It's like, so the love of water, then he's saying, has to be practice realization. In other words, the love of water is not just a realization of a love of water. It's then, now you have to do something. Now, what's the, what's the practice of that? So, so nice. Could it be appreciation? I don't know. It's your life. You have to. You have to tell me. So maybe this could be a little thing you could work on. Is uh, like, I love water. How do I practice? How can I express this? And it's not ideological. Like, oh, now I'm gonna, you know, give money to so and so. I mean, you should do that too. But also, you know. How do I express this lo- this love of water? And what is it really? Or water and love so far away from each other? So, one more, one more comment, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Kelly, I knew it was going to be hard to answer the question like after the meal, so I was like, I was building it up. Almost while I was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's true. I just froze. Like I nothing, nothing came out. Uh-huh. So I didn't. I don't know. What does that mean? Uh huh. Yeah. Who Who's your partner? Lana. Lana. So so maybe next time you could say before the exercise you could say Lana. If I freeze, just slap me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know, and then it got a little bit intimate, like personal, you know, uh-huh. and it just, I don't think you 
Well, not at that point, but just when you ask me the question after. It seemed like the important question. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. It's going to happen. That's also water, too. I froze. (laughs) Still water. Do you you know that koan? Have we ever done that koan? With its student. Oh, how does it go? The student says to the. The student says to the teacher, when I die, isn't it just like ice uh, melting back into water? It's it's a beautiful image, isn't it? And the teacher says, nope. (laughs) 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 And then says, uh, it's not ice melting back into water. It's just uh, water. Mm-hmm. All water. Isn't that nice? Like, why are you thinking that your life is, like, so packed in? And that then when you die, you're going back to water. This teacher's reminding the student, like, no, no, no. It's just water. It's just water. That's nice. I, I like that going. Um, so uh, I'm going to finish here with a poem uh, that I wrote after I was in the Japanese garden in Portland. Finished on the airplane last night. This morning. <laughs> it's just water. Um, and then right after we'll just chant. Somewhere there are dragons and fish and raindrops. They understand what we're thinking about. Someone in China thinks right now that we are upside down. Where you stand right now is the land of Buddha ancestors. Human beings deeply know that oceans are water that tears are water. But dragons and fish, they know this too. Go further. Study water with Dharma rhythm. The Dharma is the Buddha's water, and it's no water at all. And this temple hall, this room, this dragon pavilion, is the hall of our ancestors. We swim in them, they swim in us. Sometimes I miss my grandfather. Everything not contained is contained in the mind.